Well, good morning, church. It is good to be back here with you today. Last week, I wasn't done. I was preaching along, and I ran out of time, and I wasn't finished, and I've been waiting to come back and finish all week, and I'm kind of excited about it. I, I have to say, I, uh, sometimes when I'm studying, I feel like uh, I'm, God's really got something for you guys and he's just got his hands on me when I'm studying. Sometimes I feel like God has got something for me. And he's just like over and over during the week. And this week was like that. I, I got in the word and God was just just talking to me, just on me for growing me in the scripture. I wasn't comfortable. It was awesome. I was, I was just uh, loving spending time with the Lord. So what a blessing. Thank you for letting me do this every week. I just, I love the getting in the word with the pressure of knowing I'm going to teach and and it it really it sharpens me so so thank you guys for being willing to be here okay we are going through the book of judges if you're visiting um, we're in the middle of this uh, and I'll, I'll try to catch us up a little bit but we're going through the book of judges we have finished the period of the judges and we're we're in this this after period where Samuel, who's writing the book, is going to go back and he is going to indict the age of the judges. We have a tendency to say the good old days. All of us do at all times. We, we want to point back, well, those were the good old days. Samuel is, is going to make sure that in the time of the kings, people don't look back and say, well, the judges, everything was all right. He's going to indict the entire age of the judges and say, that there was ungodliness throughout this, this whole period, this whole section of time. He started with individual sin. He talked about Micah stealing from his mom and, and the, the silver that they had for the house, and then generational sin that his mom built a spirit house, and then he uh, built it more, owned it, and then he put his son in as the priest of the spirit house. Then he talked about Levitical sin, how a, a priest of Levi then traveled through and got hired by this fellow who owned this spirit house and idols, hired him to be in his to be his personal priest, and he showed that there was sin in the Levitical tribe. And now we're going to talk about national sin. We're going to talk about a whole tribe being in sin, their whole direction their whole existence having stepped away from the law of God and from the direction, the will of God, and stepped into their own way. We're going to talk about the Danites. Before we do, I want to quickly go through the tribes. Try to keep your eyes open here. This is a, a little bit of bookkeeping to go through because as we talk about the tribes moving, I want to, you to know who we are. So this is the tribal lands and we, we split the tribal lands into two sides, the east and the west side. This dividing line is basically through the Dead Sea up to the Sea of Galilee down the Jordan River Valley. So when you talk about uh, um, John the Baptist and the Jordan River, that's going to be on that red line right there that's splitting the east and the west side of Israel. At the top, we have the tribe of Asher right below them, Naphtali. And then Zebulun is over there, that little purple one. We've got Ishakar that's down there. We saw them uh, with, with Gideon. We have West Manasseh, which is, we don't hear from them very much for such a big bunch of land. Ephraim is the one that we're at all the time, and that's that blue in there. Dan is right here, the blue one, and Dan is the one we're going to talk about today. That, that is the land that God gave them. Here's Benjamin's tribe where God gave them land. That's where Saul came from. Then we have Judah, this great big tribe in the south, and Simeon that's there in the middle of the land of Judah. On the east side, we have East Manasseh. Remember uh, Japheth and the, the, the drama that took place there? He was from up in that area. Then we have Gad. Remember the pigs that Christ cast in Gadaria? That's, that's these, the guys from Gad. And then finally Reuben down there in the south, and that was the the tribes, the two and a half tribes that stayed on the east side of the river. So we've got a basic picture of Israel and what it looks like. What we don't have up there is the Levites. And the reason we don't have the Levites up here is because God gave, kept the Levites for his inheritance and didn't give them a, a tribe or a county. 
So uh, Joshua 14.3, it says, For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and a half tribe on the other side, Jordan, but unto the Levites he gave none inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part unto the Levites in the land, save cities to dwell in with their suburbs for their cattle and for their sustenance. So we see that Levi does not have a tribe. So as we talk about the Levites traveling, they're never from the tribe of Levi. They're from different places. Joshua, this is very important. This is where Dan goes off the rails, and, and really most of the tribes of Israel. But Joshua 14.5, it says, As the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Now this is back in Joshua. This is before Judges. When Joshua is still with Moses, Moses set up and said, Here is where each tribe goes and describes the borders of the tribe. So when Dan was given their plot of land, the, the plot of land that they were given was given to them by God for their inheritance. One of my favorite preachers is an old missionary named Milt Martin. He's gone on with the Lord now, but he uh, had a saying when we would go to his missions conference, which is where I met my wife, but he had a saying, he would say that God pays for what he orders. That if God desires something, that he'll pay for that thing that he wants done. If you're willing to serve him, he'll take care of you. The Danites did not believe that lesson. They did not follow that. And the rest of the problem of the Danites for the next huge period of their history, the rest of their, their, their existence stemmed from this issue that when God gave them land, they said, thank you, but no thank you. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and glory and majesty. Father, help me to get out of the way and for us to see your, your glorious words, Father. I pray that you would just uh, glorify your name this morning. Help us to be diligent in seeking you first. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Judges chapter 18 and verse 1. In those days there was no king in Israel. And in those days the tribes, tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. For unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. So again he starts this chapter. Remember verse 6 of 17 was, And in those days there was no tribes of Israel, and every man did that which was right in their own eyes. Here and in 19 he's going to, to, to go back and call this indictment out. So he says, In those days when there were no kings, that the tribes of the Danites wanted an inheritance. They wanted to receive something from God to dwell in. And so until this day that this was written, there was they had not received that inheritance. Now that seems kind of sad that here they travel around the wilderness. God delivered them from Egypt, brings them 40 years through the wilderness. They finally get to what do we call it? The promised land. They come into the promised land and yet they never receive an inheritance. Now can we just get an awe for for Dan awe? They didn't get their inheritance. Let's see why they didn't get it. So this is the inheritance that God gave Dan, this, this area right here. But it says in Judges 1.34, it says, And the Amorites forced the children of Dan unto the mountain, for they would not suffer them to come down to the valley. So God gave them, the Danites, this beautiful piece of land, and it was a great piece of land. It was better than Ephraim's. They got the big valley section out there. It's got the mountains in the background. It was, it was just a beautiful piece of promised land. It's good farmland. It was flat. And so God gave that to the Danites, and the Danites go, Yay! Oh, there's people here. And then the people don't want it. So they went back up on the mountains because the Amorites wouldn't let them live there. Let's keep going. Judges 135. But the Amorites would dwell in Mount Harry's and Agilon and, and Sheabim. Yet the hand of the house of Joseph prevailed so that they became tributary. So where Dan couldn't do it, where Dan couldn't get their inheritance in this plain, the house of Joseph beat the Amorites and took the land and they lived there. Now what's wrong with this whole picture? The problem that the Danites had, the, the issue that the Danites had was not a lack of swords. It was not a lack of spears. It was not a lack of warriors. How many warriors did, De did uh, uh, Gideon require to slay 135,000? He required 300. No, he didn't. 
He didn't need any. What did they do? They blew trumpets and broke clay jars. It doesn't require warriors to receive the inheritance God has for you. It requires faith. And the faith works obedience. And the obedience gives you your inheritance. Do you see the, the record that we have here? The Danites got there and they said, there's too many of them. It's too hard. We're going back on top of the mountain. And they didn't get their inheritance. They didn't receive. So I want to look at the verbs in seeking God's will. That's a very important word, seeking God's will. It's one that we, we lay down. Look at Joshua 18.1. This is the book before Judges, Joshua 18.1. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there, and the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua's still there. They're still just moved into the promised land. They've set up the tabernacle there in Shiloh. And then they haven't received their inheritance yet. What does Joshua say? Joshua says, uh, and said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord your fa- uh, God of your fathers have given you? So Joshua said, God gave you your inheritance. Why are you slack to possess it? Do you see the two uh, kind of juxtaposition here? God gave it to you. Why do you need to go do anything? Right? If God gives you something, you just kind of sit down and receive it, and it doesn't require any effort on your part. But Joshua didn't think that. Joshua said, God gave you an inheritance. Why are you slack? Why don't you go receive it? Go do something. Go act on this thing that God's given us. You know, this is so relevant to us today. Look at John chapter 10, verse 10. Don't we love this passage? The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know, that's a promise from God. Jesus came for one purpose. He didn't come because he was in deficit and needed something. He didn't come because he was incomplete. He came so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. I love my Savior. I love that my call to serve him is a call to abundant life. It's not a call to great sacrifice and turmoil. It may be, but the end result is abundant life. That's what God wants for me. But you know, we act like it's a golden ticket. Like, we come and we say a prayer that lasts 45 seconds. And then we get up and go, done, finished, got eternal life, I'm going to have abundant life. Now, I'm just going to go and and go right back to what I was doing. I'm going to go live just the way I was living. You know what? God wants you to have abundant life. But if you go out and you drink a big bunch of vodka today, and then you go wrap your car around a tree, you're going to die. You say, but God wants me to have an abundant life. Yes, he does. That's why he freed you from the vodka. Do you see the difference? Do you see? See, here's the problem. In our, in our modern day culture, we see freedom as equality, right? We see that the freedom of choice is that we all have an equal uh, inheritance in, in all things. That, that if, if we're truly free, then there shouldn't be rich people and poor people. There should just be all wealthy people. That is not freedom. That's an equality of outcome. And that's, that's not ever happens every, anywhere. It doesn't happen in a herd of cattle or antelopes. It doesn't happen with lions. There's always a struggle for existence. It's called life. God gave it to us. It's glorious, the struggle. We think that because that God has taken the burden of sin, that we don't, don't have any more burden. And that's just not what the Scripture teaches. And I'll show you in a minute. What God has done is he's come and allowed you to have a choice of what burden you want to carry. He's allowed you to take off the yoke of sin and put on the yoke of Jesus Christ. Why? Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's not that there's not a burden. It's not that there's not an effort. If there wasn't, do you think that the the people that inherit everything and, and have no effort in their life, do you think they're happier than farmers? Statistically, farmers are the happiest people. When they, when they do a, a, a metric of your happiness, how much you enjoy life, and farmers are the happiest people. Farmers work harder than anyone you've ever met. Farmers work six and a half days a week, 
They get up before daylight. They're working till after dark. It is an effort to farm. And yet they're happy. Why? Because a, a lack of action doesn't make us happy. What makes us happy and fulfilled is doing something worthwhile. And if we were to continue to carry the burden of sin, the end result is death. It's humility. It's, it's horror. But if we are able to carry the yoke of Christ, then it's joy and peace and thanksgiving and laughter at the end result. Now, bef before you shake your head at me, let's go through the Bible verses. Matthew 6.33, we all know this passage, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. First of all, what are these things that he's going to add? And what does it mean to seek? You know that's a verb? You know you don't seek sitting down? You don't seek laying down? You don't seek laying on the couch eating Cheetos. You seek when you do something. It's a verb. It's an action on your part. Jesus said, if you want me to step in this game and to produce something in your life, I've got a burden for you. I've got a thing for you to do. Seek me first. What does that mean, first? Well, let's, let's go through and read some of it. Matthew 6, uh, 16, 26. But what is a, prof a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in, uh, in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Wait a minute. I thought if you're saved that there is, you've got, you're going to heaven. That's absolutely true. But he said, I'm coming back and my reward is with me. He said that I am going to reward every man according to his works. Not only that, he said in Corinthians, I'm going to try your works by fire. And I'm going to burn up the wood, hay, and stubble, and then you'll receive the good that's on the other side of it. You know, there's a difference in the receiving of, of what God has for us in the future. You know why? He said, if you're faithful over little, that he'll make you a ruler over much. That, that, that your faithfulness here matters in eternity. It matters to him. Your desire for him here matters in eternity. You know, this is not arduous. I'm not telling you, oh, we need it. we're going to be Catholics now. You know, we're going to go out there and just like flog our back and be so downtrodden and, oh, i got to do righteous things. That's not the point. The point is, I'm free from sin. I get to do righteous things. I'm free to choose God. That's the point. It's a completely different relationship attitude. Okay, I get kind of excited. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. I'm excited about what God's done for us, okay? Matthew 6, 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith, where, wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. This is right before the passage we just read. Seek first the kingdom of God. Before what? Before food, before drink, before clothes. Do I have any Dave Ramsey listeners out here? Right? Dave Ramsey. He's from Nashville. Good old boys from Tennessee. Hey, Tennessee. So, so... Here we have, here we have what, what he likes to say is the, the essentials first, right? That's the first thing you take care of. Food, shelter, clothes. First three things you take care of and then, and then pay your bills. No, I'm not having a financial peace seminar. But, but I, I listen to that and I go, that's right on a human standpoint. But I'm going to give you a different metric, a God metric. He says, first thing you take care of, seek me. Seek me. Second thing, seek me again. Third thing, get in your Bible and look for me like you're stressed. Like, oh, i got to find him again. And he says, I'll take care of the other stuff. And you, you go, do you have anything in your life that's lacking? Do you have anything that you need more of? Do you have anything that you wish a relationship, a thing? You know the answer for that? Seeking God first. It's hard to, it's hard to wrap our minds around this, but, but, but follow me here, Okay. Let's suppose that you want good things in your life. So you're going to attempt to gain good things in the flesh. What do you do? You become selfish. You go to your friends and you go, hey, can you come mow my yard? Because I'm, I just need to go to the beach. So you come mow my yard and I'm going to the beach. And then you call your other friend and you go, hey, uh, can you buy new car tires for my car? Because, man, they need tires. They're, look at my car. You've got good tires. I don't. Could you buy them? 
And then you go to your other friend, you say, hey, and pretty soon you got everybody taking care of all your needs. Isn't that great? No, because you have no more friends. Because they all say, forget you, man. You're a selfish, get out and do some work. Go do for yourself. And you know what? The end result of your selfishness is isolation, it's sadness, and it's being bereft of the things that you wanted. Because you should have been at work and you went to the beach. Do you see the end result of this sin of covetousness? It's, it's pretty easy to see that. What if you go the other way and you love your neighbor? And you, you go to work and you work hard and then you come home with your money and your neighbor needs tires. And you see, man, they broke their leg. I want to go bless them. You go put tires on. And then you go here and you go. Pretty soon you have all these friends. And not just friends. You have people that owe you that go, you know what? If you have any need in your life, you call me. Because you're the guy I want to help. I know people like this, and I, I know people that are the other side, and they come and they go, why does God bless him with everything? It's a natural consequence of righteousness. It's a natural consequence of loving your neighbor. Your selfishness is what's caused you to not have. Everything is like this. You want to feel good? Take methamphetamines. I've heard that makes you feel good. You know how long? For like an hour. And then your teeth fall out, and you know, you get all kinds of problems, and, and, and your life goes down the toilet. And you go, why is everybody else's life better? Because you were seeking a, a, a fleshly thing that you thought would fulfill you, and it doesn't. There's a different way. God says, listen, I want you to know something by faith. You can't see this. You can't experience this until you trust me and act on it. Then you'll experience. You will not experience it before this. But I want you to seek me first before anything else, to put me first. And when you do, I'll take care of the other stuff. Don't worry about the other stuff. You know, our issue, friends, our issue in America, our issue on, on this island, our issue in our homes is we don't believe God. That's the issue. It's not society. It's not politics. It's not the lack of money. It's not a lack of stuff. It's a lack of faith in God. And that's our issue. And if we get that right, <laughs> then we're good. We're ready. That's everything. That's it. Period. Seek God first. Okay, here it is. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, he said, will be added unto you. Here's a good example of this. 1897, the San Francisco Call ran this article, Inexhaustible Riches of the northern El Dorado. It started one of the big gold rushes in America. They said there is gold forever and in, in up in the, in the Klondike. You just go up there and boom, they've got gold. The gold's gone. We still have the bars. So here, here's a, a map of the, of the Klondike uh, gold rush where they went up there. People were going up. Now, mind you, this is 1897. This is, this is not the year of, of automobiles and tractors and things like that this is mules man this is this is dysentery this is uh staph infections and in, in, in indians and and bears and cougars and 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 yellow fever this these guys are are leaving everything a hundred thousand of them in one year and they're moving up to try to find gold because it's inexhaustible riches and so they passed through and the canadian government told them if you want to go up there so that we're not rescuing all you poor suckers he, it's they said you have to carry enough food for a year so if you wanted to go mine gold and bring the food it was about one ton of equipment per person not in your truck on your back the people that were going to dig gold would carry a hundred pounds a quarter mile put it down and come back and do that 20 times to get their materials up there and then do that again and they crossed canada doing that to get up there and get gold here they are in the in Chilkut Pass in 1898 you see all that snow and ice this is not North Face and Marmot these guys are in leather shoes with threadbare socks and and a, a, a wool jacket freezing with fingers turning blue in order to get up there and get the gold when they get there bears would come after them cougars would come after them mosquitoes would come they would get infections they would fight off one another and, and the environment, everything. This was an arduous, difficult task in order to dig up mud and throw it in the water and shake it with a pan and get a yellow rock. That was the, the goal. And 100,000 people 
traveled up there one summer in these horrible conditions. In order to get gold, and most of them, almost all of them, didn't strike it rich. And then a year later, they hear, oh, there's gold in Nome, Alaska. Boom, they all go over there and do that. They're chasing that next dollar, that next bit of money. Look what David says. The law of the Lord is perfect concerning the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Can you imagine if I said, guys, we're going to read the Bible tomorrow because God wrote it and it's awesome. First, we're going to carry 2,000 pounds of equipment up on top of the giant, okay? And then we're going to meet up there and read. All of you meet me here at 6 in the morning. There'd be crickets. That's all that would meet me here. Nobody wants to do that. David said, listen, your words... They're better than gold. No, they're better than a lot of good gold. I would rather get your words. Look what it says in Isaiah. Isaiah 26, 8. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, we have waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul I have desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me I will seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. He says, God, at night I'm laying on my pillow and I'm thinking, oh, man, what have you got for me in the morning, God? And you're praying and you're seeking God and your soul is crying out, God, I love you. God, I want to be with you. God, I need you. God, my soul is so desirous of a relationship with you. And you wake up. I'm like awake. What have you got for me? And you get his words. Then you sit down and you read those words. And you devour that into your soul. And Isaiah said, this is what I'm like. This is how I feel. And David said, this is the truth of the matter. It's better than much fine gold. Friends, we don't believe it. We don't have faith that God's words are better. And instead, we have all these other things. Instead, we read the paper, we read the news, we read books, we watch movies, we do everything to stay entertained instead of enjoying the Word of God and the law of God and applying it to our life and spending time in prayer and spending time with the Lord. And you go, yeah, but, but I need to seek God first. When you say, I need to, put that passage next, seek God first. It changes everything. Look what he says, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. These yellows are verbs. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, we sing this, we talk about this, and we say we're laying our burdens down. Yes, we are, and we're picking his up. We're, we're saying that I'm a peculiar people, I'm a stranger in this land, and I have a different goal and purpose in life than I had before. No longer am I going to be selfish. Instead, I'm going to pour myself out for the Lord. Instead, I'm going to say, Lord, it's yours. Now, this doesn't mean we don't go to a gold rush. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, you know what, if there was a gold rush today, I'd, I'd of course, if the Lord would let me, I would go. I would buy shovels. And, and like tin cups and stuff. And I would go there and I would sell them. And I'd make money and then I, I would use that money for ministry. And I'd buy Bibles and give the... I'm, the, the scripture's resplendent with talks about investment. Proverbs 31. He says, this awesome woman, what does she do? She considers a field and buys it. And then she blesses. My wife's been blessing me by considering a vehicle. Buy it and then rent the thing out. And, and it's a blessing to do that sort of... I'm not saying that. I'm saying don't let that be your focus. Don't wake up in the morning and go, gold. Wake up in the morning and go, God, I need you. It's a difference in attitude. And you know what? He expects that you can do it because he gave you some verbs. He says, what? Come unto me. Get born again. Come unto me. And then take my yoke. Choose to do that, to pick it up. And then learn of me. You know how you do that? I'll give you a hint. It won't happen on Netflix. Okay? Or Amazon. And it, it will not happen at the restaurant down here. You won't learn of him that way. Maybe you'll have a meeting. I'll tell you how you learn of him. You take his Bible, the words that he wrote down for you to learn of him. You pick that thing up and you read that. You devour it. You know, I get an hour up here a week. I hope you eat more than once a week. I do. 
I, I hope you're eating three times a day. If you're not, come see me. We have some good cans of food. I hope you're not spending one hour a week in the Word of God. If you are, you're missing. Friends, you're not seeking God first. If you, say, if you have an hour a week in the Word of God, maybe a Bible study, throw that in. Not enough, friends. Every day, seek God first. John 8, 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. That's what he's talking about, to lay your burden down. He said, if you're, if you're sinning, you're a servant of sin. You belong to that thing. You think that you're controlling the sin. It, you're not. The sin's controlling you. You think that you're fornicating because it feels good. No, the Bible says that whosoever committeth fornication sinneth against himself. That's hurting you. It's, 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 it's ruining your life, and you think it's making you happy. He says, trust me, it's not. I'm God. I was the one that made you. This is not good for you. It hurts you. Don't do it. But you don't trust God, so you do it anyway. You don't have faith in God. Same as the Danites. Romans 6.18. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. He said, you were a servant of sin, but you've been made free from that. So now you don't do anything. Have you ever heard of a servant that doesn't do anything? Have you ever ser heard of a servant that doesn't serve the master? That just says, all right, master, you purchased me. I'm going to kick back here and eat Cheetos. No, a servant serves. We get to be, not have to be, get to be servants of righteousness. Servants of Jesus Christ. We get to walk with him and know him. We get to open his word, not just to see what he wrote, but his very spirit lives inside of us, and it's bringing us to all truth. And, it, and as you read that word, he goes, look over here. See this? Ooh, that's good. It's a, that's a good nugget. That's a gold nugget. That's the thing I was coming for. And you see, this is what it means to seek God first. Romans 6.20, for when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things were death. Paul said, listen, before grace came, you were a servant of sin. You wanted to do different and you couldn't. You were stuck there. You were stuck obeying sin. And what was the end result? Death. Death of marriage. Death of relationships, of jobs. Everything was destroyed in your life because you, weren't, you were serving sin. And sin's an awful taskmaster. But now, being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. You see, God's not coming along and saying, don't do anything. He's saying, I've made you free so that you can choose a freedom of choice. You can choose to walk with me. Or you can choose to walk in sin. But before you choose, I want you to know the end result of that is that cliff down there with a fiery pit at the bottom. And the end result of this is life everlasting and joy and peace. Now, I'm not saying that you walk in righteousness in order to receive everlasting life. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not true. Jesus paid for that. Grace, unmerited favor, Jesus paid for that. But listen, if you get born again, and you say, I don't care about your rules. I don't care about your, your law. I don't care about you. I just want a free ticket. Then I've got, friend, I, I, I've got a word for you from the book of James. Faith without works is dead. James said, show me your faith, and I'll show you my faith by my works. He says, when you believe Jesus, it changes you. It makes you different. Now, that's not meaning that we're different enough. Struggle. Struggle. Fight for it. Read it. Stay up late. Get up early. Whatever is required to seek God first. And then he'll add those things to you. Luke 9, 11, 9, 11, 11, 9. And I say unto you, ask, there's your verb, and it shall be given to you. Seek, another verb, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth, and he and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. You know, if you sit there waiting for God to show up in your life, if you just sit there, he'll show up with judgment because you're not supposed to be sitting there because his word says, get up and ask me. Get up and knock. Get up and seek. And when you do that, then I show up in a big way. You know, I've talked to so many Christians that have said, you know, I got saved, I was excited, and then I just, I just kind of drifted. And it wasn't until I really got back in the Word 
Wow, God just came alive in my life. Friends, He was there the whole time. He was waiting for you to get back in His Word. He was waiting for you to seek Him. Friends, if you're in a place right now that you go, this is difficult. I have this problem. Get in His Word. You go, that doesn't address my problem. My problem is my wife. Man, she's obnoxious. That's my problem. And and my problem is my husband. He's a jerk. And you go, well, how are you going to fix it? Well, I'm going to tell him off. No, you're going to get in the Word of God. And you're going to say, God, show me, teach me, lead me, guide me. I'm submitting my life to you. And you seek him first, not, not second, not third. You know the Danites, God gave them a beautiful piece of land. And they said, yeah, no, thank you. For the next hundreds of years. Their children paid for that choice. No thank you. You know, if you're married, God gave you something awesome. He gave you a husband or a wife. Don't, don't neglect that. Don't walk from that. Choose God. Choose obedience to him. Colossians 3.1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. See, he says, if you're already a Christian, now seek me. You go, what? I already found him. Yes, but you're not done finding him. He's in the word of God. Seek him. Seek him. Colossians 3, 2. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things of earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. He says, listen, I want you to think about me. I want you to want me. I want you to to desire me to set your affections. You know, if you go to the Olympic Stadium and you see a bunch of people there, you know what they are? They are sold out for the thing that they're about to compete in. The, the, you, don't, you don't go to the Olympic Stadium and see a bunch of guys like slamming Mountain Dews and like playing Xbox. These are guys drinking water, eating like, like chicken uh, breasts that are boiled so that they keep that body fat low, and they're running and they're practicing. And Paul said, this is how we are. We're running a race don't, don't pick up that stuff. Lay down every sin and wait, which doth so easily beset. Set that stuff aside and chase me. Seek me. That's what God's looking for. 15.4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Do you feel a little hopeless in your life? Do you feel like you're in a place that's just, that you just need some hope? You just, you just need to be able to rest for a minute. The world just, stuff just coming and coming and coming. And you're going, well, I can't take any more. I can't take another drop. He says, here's what I gave you for a remedy for that, friends. I've got a remedy for you, and it is in the patience and comfort of the Scripture. You know what that word patience? You know what we're talking about? We're talking about the same word as tribulation. We're talking about the same word as a trial, as, as something that you're going to steadfastly Go through and go through and go through. You say, I tried it. I read the Bible like like 10 minutes yesterday, and it didn't work. Okay, when you read it for an hour a day for five years, come back to me. If it didn't work, I'll eat my microphone. If, if you seek God, he'll show up. If you seek God, no, I said that wrong. You'll show up. He's already been there. If you seek God and you're knocking, He's going to open the door and let you in. But you need to seek God. Hebrews 11.5. I'm almost done with my rabbit trail. Poor rabbits. I'm chasing them all over. 11.5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh unto God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligently. That, that means that it's not today or tomorrow or next week. That means when you're tired. That means when you're irritable. That means when things are going wrong, you're going to seek him in the word of God. It doesn't mean you watch a show on Netflix and every once in a while go, yeah, not yet, okay keep going. It means that you open the Word of God and you diligently seek Him. That's what faith is. Friends, faith, you can see it. You can see it because this is what it looks like. Okay, back to the Danites. I had 
I had so much fun with, I, I got, I read five times that many passages about this this week and poured over them and prayed over them and, and sweated over them and I just, whew, I had a good time. Okay, the word of God is awesome. Joshua 1947, and the coast of the children of Dan went out too little for them. Therefore, the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem and took it and smote it with the edge of the sword and possessed it and dwelt therein and called Leshem Dan after the name of Dan their father. So here we are back in Joshua 1947, and already we see what's taking place in Judges chapter 18. So there is a disparity of time here. Judges 18 is not just following Samson. He's jumped way back, and he's, and he's looking at the age. So here's what happened. Dan had this area that was given to them. The Amorites are there. It was too hard for them. They move back up into the mountains, and they say, this is, we're getting squeezed. This is not good. It's not big enough for us. We're going to go find something else. So here they are down in Dan. This is the area God gave them. And they're going to go all the way up here to Latium. And they're going to take that area. 18.2, and the children of Dan sent out of their family five men from the coast, from their coast, men of valor, from Zorah and Eshdol, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, Go search the land, uh, go search the land, who, when they came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they lodged there. So they get these guys, five guys that are scouts, warriors, uh, um, uh, trackers, whatever, and they say, Look, go find us a different place. The stuff God gave us, not good. Go out and find us something better. So they said, Okay. So they, they take off. This is all in sin now. They've left God's land, and they show up at the house of Micah. We talked about him last week. So here is where they went. They, they left their area. They went up here. And uh, uh, verse 3, And when they were by the house of Micah, they knew the voice of the young man, the Levite, and turned in thither, and said unto him, Who brought thee thither? And when makest thou this place? And what hast thou here? So they're walking along in the, in, in the trail, and, and some enemies are still in the territory, and they hear a Levite's accent. So, hey, what's a Levite doing up here in the mountains in Ephraim? So they, they go over there, and they ask him, what's up? What are you doing? Why are you here? Verse 4, And he said unto them, Thus dealeth Micah with me, and hath hired me, and I am his priest. And they said unto him, Ask counsel, we pray thee, of God that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. So they meet this Levite. This Levite is in a, a house of iniquity, a, 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 a place of idols, and they've got a, a house that they use to, to tell fortunes. So here they are in this, in this house, uh, uh, this godless place where all these idols are, and he's wearing uh, an ephod which was made for this particular house of idols, and they asked this Levite, go in to your place and ask if our way is going to be prosperous or not. And he's mixing God with these, these false gods from the land. Judges 18.6, And the priest said unto them, Go in peace before the Lord is your way wherein you go. So the priest goes back in and he, he prays for a little while and comes back out and says, God, the God of our fathers, is going to bless your way. Now this is a lie. This is a lie. You know how I know that? Because God didn't give them the north. He gave them the area that he gave them. And rather than seeking God's words, they go to another guy and they find a guy that says exactly what they want to hear. They heaped unto themselves teachers having itching ears. Friends, we do this all the time. If somebody makes you uncomfortable, then go somewhere else and you'll find somebody that will tell you, live your best life now. Everything's going to be great. You're, you're going to be wonderful. Just do what makes you happy. And then that, that's, and you know what? You'll find it. And it, it won't be of the Lord. The priest said to them, go in peace before the Lord. And verse 7, And then the five men departed and came to uh, Laish and saw the people that were therein and how they dwelt carelessly after the manner of the Zidonians, where uh, quiet and secure, and there was no magistrate in the land that they might put them to shame in anything. And they were far from the Zidonians and had no business with any man. Now, the, these guys are right up in, uh, had come up to here to Micah's house. Then they came all the way up here to Laish. And when they got there, they find that the people that lived in that land had no ruler over them that said, you need to practice your spears and your swords and you need to have a militia and this and that. Everybody was just kind of doing their own thing and living in peace. 
and the Danites said, that's awesome. We can, we can go take their stuff. So here is where they are, and Sidon up here is where the Zidonians are from. It's, it depends on the spelling of it, whether it's Zidon or Sidon. And, and we know from um, Ezekiel that, that this area is quickly taken by the Philistines as they're coming back south. So we're at around 370, uh, uh, 375, I'm sorry, 1375 B.C., at this time, and and it's right around the period that the Philistines are coming from Greece, dropping back down, and I think that probably the the some of the Zidonians had moved over the mountain into these plains, and they've mostly cut off contact back home. They may have already been conquered by the Philistines that were coming down the coast, but they had nowhere to call for reinforcements. So the spies found out they're weak and have no reinforcements. Eighteen eight. And they came to their brethren, to Zorah and to Eshtal, and their brethren said unto them, What say ye? And they said, Arise, that we may go up against them, for we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And ye are still? Be not softful to go, and to enter, to possess the land. You know, when God gives us something, there's probably always going to be something that looks better. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden and gave them everything they had to eat, what do they find? The one thing that God didn't give them, and it looked better. It looked good to the eyes. It looked like it'd make you wise. It looked like the thing that they wanted, that bauble. Friends, there's always going to be, if you, if you stand up and look around, you're going to say, if I do that, it'll make me happy. Now, God said not to, but that's the thing that's going to make me happy, whatever that thing is. It's not. It just isn't. But don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. That's called faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. But if you don't, that's the choice of life, to choose what you want to do and, and how you want to act. So they rejected God's gift. They found another one, and they said, okay, now don't be slothful. Now let's go, guys. Let's go get this thing. Now we've found something better that's worth taking. 18.10, and when you go, you shall come unto a people secure and to a large land. For God hath given it unto your hands, a place where there is no want of anything that is in the earth. Now, this seems like an appropriate thing to do. It seems like uh, the way to be happy, wealthy, and successful. But if you have a very narrow view of, of time, right, and, and you come along and you see two people, these teenagers, one of these teenagers loves to play volleyball. He plays volleyball all the time. The other one, kind of boring, stays at home studying all the time. And you say, man, this one's life is way better than that one. This one is out having fun. That one's stuck in the house. Then the one of them goes off to college, spends a bunch of money to all this time in books, studying biology, and like, and he's poor, and he's got all this debt. And, and the other one, man, he's out, he's mowing yards, he's having a good time, he's, he's playing all the time, he's got eyes out with his friends, and you're still going, wow, this guy's life's terrible, this guy's life's fulfilled. Yeah, you go on for four years, oh, finally, he's done with another school, oh. So, again, the one guy is just stuck inside. He's the, the other one's having fun. Now he, the other one's gotten married. This other guy's still going along, finishes that school. Now he's going to go into residency. Hardly gets paid, works for 24 hours. And you're still going along. You're going, man, this guy's life is awful. This guy's life is fun and exciting. Look at all the stuff he's doing. And then the guy graduates from medical school and starts making two fifty a year and buys a jet ski and a boat and a big house on a hill. And then... And then Suddenly, the two guys are, are 35, and the one guy is wealthy, and he's got all this stuff. And you go, man, I wish I had his life. You know, the promises of God are a lot like that. If you pay on the front end and you say, I'm going to be obedient to God no matter what, then you get all this abundant life from following the rules of God. And if you say, no, I'm going to seek my own way, and I'm going to ignore God's rules, then the end result of that is poverty. It's spiritual poverty. It's not just spiritual, it's physical poverty because you walked away from God. Now, I'm not saying that being a doctor is better than mowing lawns. I'd rather mow lawns because I want to be with my, my family more than I want to be rich. But I am saying that, that obedience to God from the Danites to start with would have paid off in spades for years. They'd have had a different story. But they said, no, we don't want what you've got. We want what I want. And, and for the first years, for the first couple of years, it looked like that was a great decision. For the first 10, 15, 20, maybe 100 years, looked like a great decision. The end result of that, 
was terrible. It was horror. 1811, and there went out from thence the family of the Danites out of Zorah, out of Eshdol, 600 men appointed with weapons of war. And they went up and pitched in Kirjath Jerem in Judah, wherefore they called that place something unto this day. Behold, it is behind Kirjath Jerem. So they came along and they said, this is, we're going we're gonna to come up to this spot and we're going we're gonna to hang out here. And, and prepare, so they got 500 guys that are all in this area. They're all got their weapons of war. They're ready to go. And then they uh, passed thence and came into Mount Ephraim, and they came into the house of Micah. So they, they go back where they started, back to that house where that Levite was, the guy we read about last week. Remember, he's put, uh, what was it, 400 uh, uh, shekels of silver into the uh, idols that he has made. He's He's carved some. He's He's molted some. He's built his uh, vesture and his priest. He's hired that priest for, for 10 shekels a year. And he's done all of this stuff to build up this spiritual place that is his property. And look how blessed he is. I mean, it's all going for him. And then when people come by, they're able to come over here to his false gods, and they're benefiting from it. Everything's going great. So these guys go back up there and then answered the five men that went to spy out the country of Laish and said unto their brethren, do ye know that there is in these houses an ephod and a teraphim and a graven image and a molten image? Now, therefore, consider what ye have to do. I mean, well, I'm not saying what to do. I'm just saying there's some really nice stuff in here, okay? But I'm, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying it's really nice. And so these 600 guys are all armed, and so they go in there. Verse 15, and they turned thitherward and came to the house of the young man, the Levite, even into the house of Micah, and saluted him. And the 600 men appointed with their weapons of war, which were the children of Dan, stood by the entering of the gate. So here's this guy's homestead. He's got a spirit house. He's been working hard. 600 soldiers come up. They gather around the gate. Captains go in and start talking to this Levite who is keeping his, his uh, house up there. Verse 17, And the five men that went... Uh, to spy out the land, came up thither and took the graven image and the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. And the priests stood in the entering of the gate with the 600 men that were appointed with weapons of war. So they park there, these spies, they go back, they clean the place out. They get all the gold or the, the uh, silver statues, all the graven images, all the robes that the guy spent all the time preparing. They get all of his stuff. And then they go out and the Levite's there. And he's like, you're taking all of my, my spirit stuff. Verse 18, and these went to Micah's house and fetched the carved image, the ephod, the teraphim, the molten image, and said, uh, then said the priest to them, What do ye? He goes, well, well, What are you doing? 19. And they said unto him, Hold thy peace. Lay thy hand upon thy mouth and go with us. And be to us a father and a priest. And it is, uh, is it better for thee to be a priest under the house of one man or that thou be a priest under the tribe and family of Israel? So the Danites go, be quiet, shut your mouth right now, okay? Would you come and guide us? Like, Do you, do you just see kind of the, the silly nature of this? Would you come and be our spiritual advisor, or do you want us to just stab you right now? Um, that doesn't seem fair, but you know what? When you walk away from God, you're on your own. You're on your own. You know if this man was a Levite, as God had called him out to be, and if he was a, a functioning Levite for God Almighty, and he's working, then it is up to God to protect him. That's, and whether the man dies now or doesn't, God's still his God and his protector and his Lord. This man left that fold. He left it, he walked up here, and he sought his own way, his good way, something that was good for him. And they said, do you want to come be a priest? And he, he saw the light. He said, and the priest's heart was glad, and he took the ephod and the teraphim. So they were stealing it, now he's carrying it, and the graven image, and went in the midst of the people. So they turned and departed and put the little ones and the cattle and the carriage before them. So these are 600 men of war, but they have their families with them. And so they put all of their vulnerable families up front. The 600 men of war are kind of in the back between the guy that they just stole his stuff. And they're marching up to the area that they're going to take. 22, and when they were a good way from the house of Micah, the men that were in the house near to Micah's house 
were gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. And they cried unto the children of Dan, and they turned their faces and said unto Micah, What aileth thee that thou comest with such a company? So Micah finds out, these five guys came back and stole all my stuff. So he runs and gathers up the neighbors. Hey, you guys have all been coming to my house to worship. They stole my pet Levi. They stole my outfit. They stole my stuff. Let's go get them. So they get about 35 guys, right? They all get on their horses. There's 600 of them. And when they get up there, the guys that they rode up to go, hey, what's your issue? Why are you in such a hurry? What, what are you making all this clamor for? And Micah says, and he said, ye have taken away my gods, which I made. And the priest, and ye have gone away, and what have I more? And what is this that ye say unto me? What aileth thee? That's pathetic. That's pathetic. Can you, can you imagine somebody stealing your God? Can, can you even wrap your mind around that? You stole my God. Yeah, because it's a piece of wood and like some silver junk, you know. My God is immortal, invisible, and all-powerful. Good luck stealing him. And so... So they come along and they go, you, stole, you know what happens when you chase false gods? This. Because you made the God. He can't do anything for you. He, he doesn't have any power when it, when it comes to time to protect. You have to protect him. So they steal his gods and they run off. And, and he goes, well, why are you saying what's bothering me? You took all my stuff. That's bothering me. But you know the problem with walking away from the, from the word of God, from the law of God? You have no more recourse. You see... The Bible says, submit yourselves one unto another. That means that I am submission to you guys. That means that any one of you can come up to me and say, Nathan, I think that this is what the Scripture says, and this is what you did. And if they're indifference, if I'm not doing what the Scripture says, then I go, you're right. You're right. I repent. Do you know why? Because I'm not in charge. You're not in charge. God is, and His Word is. And that's a big difference. He says... That, that if we will follow him, that we won't be ashamed when we judge. That, that at the end result of that, that we'll have uh, vindication because we're a part of something that's bigger than us. Okay, go fast. Verse 25. And the children of Dan said unto him, Let not thy voice be heard among us, lest angry fellows run upon thee, and thou loose thy life with the lives of thy household. And the children of Dan went their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his, unto his house. So they said, uh, we wouldn't do it, but if you don't shut up, there might be some angry guys that come over here and uh, kill you and kill your family, so you'd best be quiet and leave. And he realized, I, I can't do anything, so he left. You know what happens when you serve God? Gideon happens. 300 guys, 135,000. <laughs> You know why? Because anything plus God is victory. It is, but it requires faith. Verse 28. And there was no deliverer, because it was far from Zion, and they had no business with any man. And it was in the valley that lieth by Beth Rehob. And they built a city and dwelt therein. So they went up. There was nobody to, uh, to fight against them. They took the land, took the city, and they built it there. And the children of Dan set up the graven image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and he and his sons were priests to the tribes of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And that captivity is the, the Philistine captivity. Here in Samuel uh, chapter 4, verse 2, 1 Samuel 4, 2, and the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they had joined the battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field, about 4,000 men. So that's the record of the captivity. It's not the Babylonian captivity, which we usually think of because this was written well before the Babylonian captivity. So they had gone up there, and they installed this priest. They installed his sons as rulers. They installed his idols. And for the next hundreds upon hundreds of years, this was where they worshipped and what they worshipped. And Dan fell away from God irrevocably because of the lack of faith of taking a piece of property. It started small and it grew. Judges 18.31, and they set them up Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So the temple of God was down in Shiloh. Samuel was down there, but instead they were worshiping a graven image up there 
The point to that is they didn't need to worship the graven image. It wasn't that God had abandoned them. They had abandoned God. Friends, if you feel far from God, if you feel isolated and alone, He hasn't left you. You've left Him. And He's waiting. And He's desirous of you to come back. I've got fantastic news. Best news ever. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Not only that, he died for you, was raised for you, and is alive forevermore. He's not some graven image that come along and somebody steal and, and take from your home. He is God Almighty sitting on the throne. He's in charge and sovereign and knows you and knows your path. And he wants a relationship with you actively. And he's waiting. He's waiting for you to seek him. And you get to choose to seek him. You get to choose because of what he did on Calvary. You get to choose to make all things new and to, to be made in his image and to walk with him and know him. Friends, there's nothing better, but I cannot prove it to you. You have to act in faith because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Okay, I finished. Yep, two minutes left. Woo. I, I, man, I... Thank you, guys. I love just I love studying the law of the Lord. Thank you for letting me do it. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and goodness. Thank you that you've made a way that we could be free and lay down the burden of sin, which leads to death, which leads to darkness, which leads to a place that we just don't want to be, Father, and that you have given us the opportunity to walk as children of light, Father, to walk in truth, to be uh, picking up your yoke, Father, which is light and wonderful, which leads to joy everlasting, Father, which leads to whole marriages and whole families, and it leads to uh, just the, the joy of the Lord. I pray that you would just guard us, guide us, direct us. Lord, I pray that you would have your own way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.